Welcome to Trowadron Legends and Lore. Episode 45, Gondad. Well, hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Trollodon Legends and Lore. I'm Chad Corey, and today we're going to continue what we started last uh, episode, which is the beginning of a new mini-series focusing on the origin cities of Trollodon. But before we do, I wanted to quickly let you know where you can find me online. I have a website, chadcorey.com, that's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E. Uh, and there's lots of information there. There's other podcasts that I do. There's previous episodes of this current podcast on there as well. There's all the books on there you can take advantage of, which you have reviews, updates, sample chapters, audio things, fun stuff tied into those. And there's all the different worlds that I'm involved in and uh, working on. You can check out and get involved as well, plus a whole lot of other things I update on a fairly regular basis. So I would encourage you to check that out. If you'd like to know more about what's going on, um, tours, updates, things like that nature too, uh, you can also subscribe to a newsletter and get all that information sent to you on a, I don't want to say regular basis, I, I kind of do it periodically throughout the year, but really probably no more than once a quarter, if that even, you know, two or three times a year I'll share some information, or maybe if something's really relevant I'll pass it on to you as well. Uh, but again, I don't spam you, but that's a great way, a great resource to kind of stay involved with what's going on as well. And there's also my social media, which is Creator Chad. That's the handle. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, YouTube. So take advantage of that. And then if you want more Trollodon-related information, you can go to trollodron.com. That's T-R-A-L-O-D-R-E-N.com. And I also use Trollodon as the handle, and you can find out more information on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. Well, like we started with last episode, we talked about the origin cities. We kind of shared a little bit about the foundations of origin cities and how they came about. And what I like to do in this particular episode is delve into the one that was made for humans or given credit for the foundation of humanity, which is Gondad. Now, Gondad was uh, developed, I guess you can say, out of founding on Talithiel. Talithiel is one of many of the uh, land masses that populate the northern hemisphere. Just to kind of back up a few steps here, how they came about these uh, various land masses and islands was the uh, Great Shaking, which more or less pretty much destroyed <laughs> what was Trollodon, at least as far as the supercontinent that existed previous to that went. Uh, in the process, a bunch of the land was, well, like I said, broken up, destroyed, uh, sent under the waves. Some of it was moved around. Uh, to the southern hemisphere, but a, a good chunk of it was kept in the northern hemisphere, and that was scattered around into various land masses and islands that we have today in the modern version of Trollodon. If you'd like to see kind of what I'm talking about, the various uh, lands and things in particular for the northern hemisphere, I'd encourage you to go to the website trollodon.com, and there is a larger map you can take advantage of and check out as well. For those are for those who are familiar with the Wizard King trilogy, you are probably very familiar or at least very aware of what I'll be talking about today in particular for this origin city because Gondad was something that that they found that they actually interacted with and there is a whole th- legends and myths and histories tied to it that I don't know if I'm going to get into great depth about today. I'm going to talk more or less about the origins of it. But it does exist. It's still around. It is in ruins, obviously. 
and it is primarily what they call now more or less in the general area of vicinity of the marshes of Gondad. And we'll talk a little bit more about that and how that uh, came about in general. But the origin city, like all the origin cities outside of Colony, have fallen into more or less myth and, uh, I guess, ruins for the most part. They were abandoned after or shortly after the Imperial Wars, which was a more or less a, I guess you could say, a global conflict. There's a lot of uh, kind of speculation and debate if it was such a massive conflict that people uh, entail or if it was a series of wars that just happened to coincide together and, and more or less might have been interconnected in some ways. People are still kind of on the fence or debating that even today, obviously because they weren't there. <laughs> and, and the record, uh, that's still part of the shadow years, which was not always the best well-maintained uh, source of historical information for a lot of people and a, a lot of different reasons. But what came out of that is these origin cities. And the idea, again, like I mentioned in last episode, was that somehow all these different races, the humans, the elves, the, the gnomes, the halflings and dwarves, somehow just appeared in this region or this area of the world. Obviously, for those who know the historical record, like I've been sharing, that isn't really true, but it is a more of a poetic and a, I guess, convenient trope or tool that people could use to say, here's where we came from, here's our origin. Obviously, given the history, like I shared in previous episodes, there were humans scattered all over the planet after the Great Shaking. There were the same with you know, gnomes and dwarves and things like that. It's just that it made a convenient, like I said, the starting point for a historical standpoint to say, okay, we got our start here. And it came about mainly because that's where a lot of people were, would congregate later on. And then as these cities, as these cities became more predominant, more important in the culture and the people overall, there was an obvious mythology and, and, and legends and lore that came about because of that, that said, okay, we got our start here. They kind of conveniently forgot the more shadowy elements of their beginnings and gravitated and grasped a hold of a more convenient and more seemingly logical position of, hey, this is where we got our start. We've always been here, right? Well, not necessarily, but that, you know, you're there long enough, eventually begin to think, after so many generations, well, we always had our start here, and you know the legends and myths go from there. And it wasn't that different the case when we talk about Gondad. Now, Gondad itself had a unique distinction of being more or less uh, an established city, or not city, but more like a village or town before it became this big, massive origin city. And thus far in our storytelling, we haven't seen that yet. Remolos, for example, was founded on some Draenoric runes. Among other things, it wasn't really an inhabited location, but it became inhabited by the uh, efforts of the elves at that point in time on. With Gondad, it was a, a town, or I guess you can say a large village or a, a decent-sized town, early on. And that was because there were a lot of different human tribes throughout Talithiel that used that location. It was kind of centrally located, if you look on the map in the book or at the Wizard King Trilogy and stuff, you'll see it was kind of more or less centrally located in the midst of Talithiel, providing a great opportunity for a lot of different peoples to intermingle and interact with each other in a, you know, a safe location, whether you know it's trading goods or information or looking for you know marriage partners or alliances or things like that. It made a convenient stopping point, interacting point for a lot of different peoples, and thus it became kind of a, a more and more important location to, to gravitate towards. And eventually, uh, there was going to be a person, a human, 
by the name of Eldon, and Eldon would become the first king of Gondad. And he had, uh, I guess you can say there's kind of a historical, mythological pedigree connected to him, kind of in a similar way to like King Arthur has a lot of elements blended together so much so that you don't really know how much was the man and how much was the, the legends or other stories that got kind of combined. It's a similar situation with Eldon. Um, we, they're pretty sure, they actually are pretty confident that this person did exist and he had a, the foundation of the dynasty that would rule Gondad for its entirety. But he came from one uh, tribal or people group of humanity and through his years in the beginning there, he would work on uniting them against a common threat. And the common threat there was there were a lot of uh, monstrous races still during that time that, and giants and other things that were causing them, causing them some issues, as you can imagine. And uh, as times became, as people were getting out of the shouty years and the, you know they're developing more and more, uh, I guess population centers, groups, power, authority over different parts of Talithiel in particular, they wanted to kind of make their own place in the world. And that was the same for not just humanity, but also for the monstrous races, giants, Lenorms, dragons, a whole bunch of stuff that was getting bigger and better and better, I guess you can say, over the years as they've increased in population, territory, and, and so forth. So that was the world that Eldon was born into, and that was how he kind of got thrust into this position of wanting to or needing to make a defensive capability out of this town and eventually would become a city and that city would eventually become part of a global, I don't say global, but a near global empire. At least that was the aspirations of the final rulers of Gondad before it fell. Um, ultimately, it started out, like I said, as a city and there was a, a strong desire to unite all of humanity, at least on Talithiel, under its auspices and to make it a more unified I don't want to say empire at the time, but they were looking for like a community. And then, of course, as more and more groups and more and more territory was involved, they became a, a kingdom and then an empire, and to the point where they basically dominated all of Talithiel. And this would be a similar story, which the elves did with Colonia. They would take on all of Colonia and the islands and then make uh, colonies in different parts of the world. That was repeated with Gondet. They took on Talithiel, and then they would take on large swaths of territory outside of the uh, outside of the Talithiel. They'd actually uh, tip their toes into just about everywhere. I mean, it would go into Belbethal, it would go into uh, Draladon a little bit, or go even to reach parts of Colonia to have interaction with them eventually. It would be, uh, like I said, you try and get little try and get little tendrils up to the Northlands, try and get things into, uh, even to the Western lands. I mean, they're, they're trying to get as far as they can, get as many territorial aspect, aspirations achieved in their desire of just becoming this dominant power player. And obviously, as you can imagine, as they got more powerful and as they got more territorial and as they needed to have a desire to control more of that territory and stop it from being overrun by other interests and forces, you can see where they would have some issue with places like, say, Colony, that were doing similar things and had similar agendas and goals. So there was some definite friction there, so much so that it would eventually lead to a conflict that would begin or birth the Imperial Wars, where there was fighting all over the planet, and it wasn't so much that you know everyone on the planet 
gosh, I should take that back, in the Northern Hemisphere fighting. They weren't fighting in the Southern Hemisphere. But the fighting wasn't so much that everyone on these these lands suddenly got the idea, oh yeah, let's go fight. No, it was why it was global in a lot of sense, or what people think was global or purported as being global, was because you had all these territories and colonies and stuff that were the basic battlefields for this expansive war. So that's where the impression is that it was you know massive, quote-unquote, global-scale war, you had all the territories and interests and colonies and stuff of these two empires mainly fighting themselves against each other on these different territories and, and areas in addition to the main lands in which they existed. So again, you had you know things like in, in Beldethal and the southern islands and the southern lands, excuse me, down there fighting with the elves. And so there's conflict there. You had stuff on Colonia, stuff on Talithiel, stuff around the uh, Northlands a little bit, stuff into the Midlands, stuff a little bit to the Westernlands. You know, where, wherever their territory was, and when they wanted to put an end to the other groups or their party and, and take it over for themselves or, or eliminate it or reduce it to some extent in power and influence and such, that's where there was a conflict. So obviously you can see if you have land territory interests scattered throughout much of the Northern Hemisphere or at least a good chunk of it, you can see where people in later generations would imagine it being a, you know, a a worldwide conflict. That isn't to say they were fighting in every part of the, the planet or every part of the, the lands that they were fighting in, just that people remember it as being this massive campaign. And that fighting, as you can imagine, being so large and expensive and exhaustive as it was for just people and resources in general, would ultimately do in these empires that were fighting and bring them to ruin, and, and Gondad was, was no different. In fact, a lot of Gondad's issues towards the end were self-inflicted. Um, as you remember in the book, I don't want to give too much away because some of this is covered in, in how they were how they were destroyed, but we introduced the idea that they flooded their own uh, lands in order to make them impassable to the owls that were attacking. And that, that is partially true. There was a uh, desire towards the end when the city was taken by, by the elves, or destroyed by the elves, I should say, that they, the ruler at the time basically decided to <laughs> destroy themselves as a means to hinder the final advance, kind of like, a, you know, cut off my nose to spite my face kind of thing. And, it, you know, it didn't really work, obviously, but it, it, it served to really destroy Gondad as a, as a center of power and influence again, and also put the final nail in the coffin uh, with Coloni, because at the same time they were using a war against Coloni to try and destroy it, and that seemed to work really well in reducing it. It's kind of a, a Pyrrhic victory and a stalemate all kind of <laughs> rolled into one, where no one really won anything, and each destroyed themselves in the process, and ended up uh, not being a, a good day for, for anyone involved. But with humanity, unlike with Coloni, which were able to recuperate eventually and, and reclaim their origin city and use it as the capital of their their empire slash republic. With Colony, they never, I mean, with Gondad, they never really got back to the imperial heights or power that they wanted to or thought was achievable again. Um, there was just too much fraction and friction and stuff that involved the destruction and downfall of the empire. And you ended up having these smaller kingdoms that came out of it. And these in particular were the three major kingdoms. There are other independent cities and other kingdoms and such as well on, on Talithiel. But the three major ones that came out of that and have been dominated ever since were Landor, Romaine, and Sulsar. And uh, those primarily took over the uh, place of Gondad of old 
and became more or less the, I guess you can say, collection point or coalescing point of all the imperial trappings and power and legitimacy and population as well kind of trickled into those three kingdoms and in addition to the independent cities and and such as well but those are the three major uh, areas initially that got most of the the residue or leftovers i guess you can say of gondad and they have remained kind of more or less the examples of the greatest you know great humanity cities although particularly they focused on uh, Taborian kingdoms. And there are some Selators we'll maybe get to in the future episodes and how they came about, but it's always been kind of focused more or less on these being Taborian nations and Taborian kingdoms. Although that wasn't 100% true, again, like we said, there's always some other things mixed in with the historical record and mythology and stuff that kind of shadows or cloaks some reality there, but for a long time that's kind of what they believe these Taborian kingdoms were the offshoot of this Taborian Empire. And so in the in the historical record after that, and even in modern times, there's been this desire by some, maybe more of a romantic sense, to rebuild Gondad or unite the people once more under this grand, glorious empire, this mighty true kingdom, whatever you want to call it, of humanity, of Taborians, and revive the glory of, you know, those those ancient days for whatever reasons. You know, some are looking at it more from a romantic uh, side of things. Some are looking at more from a power and, and uh, societal thing, like remaking society and taking power over them. Others are looking at it for other things. You know, but there's been movements throughout history to try and bring about the return of Gondad or something like that. And that's what a lot of these kingdoms tried to emulate or accomplish in the early days of their founding. And for the early, I guess, eh, handful of centuries after the fall of Gondad. In the beginning of more or less the, the more solidly recorded part of recorded time, these kingdoms were, I guess you want to say like in a soft war or a, a fame war, you know, whatever you want to call it, competition, I guess is the better word, against each other, trying to claim the mantle of the true descendant or the true inheritor of Gondad, which eventually all three just kind of said, ah, forget it, we'll just share it together and just work together as a, you know, we'll be independent, but kind of work together as a, group of people on the same land and and work for peace towards that end but initially in the beginning there was more or less um i don't want to say well i guess there were some direct conflicts it wasn't like outright war all the time but there were some conflicts once in a while that arose you know for getting more territory or trying to claim the mantle of you know who is the true inheritor or the descendant of Gondad. so it was pretty big for quite a while and like i said it remains an issue with a lot of uh, taborian groups in particular throughout the years throughout the centuries it comes and goes like i said in fads and things usually obviously like a lot of things with with people in general if it's you're having a bad time or there's a challenging era or part of the history people are always more prone to look back and say oh you know that was always better during this time and let's bring back the golden age of gondad if only we had gondad you know we could be a lot better and da 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 or you know and sometimes it, it comes out too when people are doing really well they compare the, the city or the golden age or their, their kingdom or uh, imperial or free city whatever as you know a new gondad or this is a, you know the beginning of a new gondad kind of thing so it's, again it's a political poetic uh, mythological it becomes a very symbolic uh, emblem people embrace for various things throughout uh, the centuries and years like a lot of things we see in our own history so with that, I think we will wrap up our little talk today about Gondad. Hopefully it was of interest to you. 
And again, you can find out more information about some elements of this by going into the Wizard King trilogy, particularly the Return of the Wizard King, the first book in the series. We talk a little bit more about the history, and you get to experience some of the ruins yourself because they actually go there and, and check them out. And you can read a little bit more about the history. There's like a summation of it, at least, kind of what, what time period we're talking about on the website, trollerton.com. But otherwise, we'll get into another episode next month, and we'll delve into another origin city and share more information about it. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.